Bibles, we're in the book of James, chapter 5. One verse today, verse 12. James, chapter 5, verse 12. I invite you, if you're able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Pray with me, please. Lord, this is your word. And because you are the supreme author of the word, it is an errant and fallible father and all that it teaches and says to us. This is not James' best effort on paper. This is the inspired and the inerrant word of the living God. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and our minds the truths of Scripture today. Continue to grow us in our faith. Change us and mold us and shape us according to your image. And Lord, maybe if there's one here today who doesn't know Christ, we pray for that person's salvation. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And again, all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Well, friends, I once heard a story of two men that had an argument, a disagreement. So they went to the judge for arbitration. Well, the first man that stood up was the plaintiff in the case, and he made his petitions, his case to the judge. He was very articulate. He was very persuasive. And after listening to the plaintiff, the judge said to the man, you know what? You're right. You're exactly right. Well, the defendant jumped up and said, Judge, you haven't heard my side of the case. Well, he said, go ahead and proceed. And the defendant was very articulate, very persuasive with his words. And after finishing his time before the judge, the judge looked at the defendant and he said, You know what? You're right. You're exactly right. Well, the clerk of the court who heard and saw all that was going on, he jumped up and said, Judge, wait just a second. You can't really mean what you're saying. They both can't be right. And you know what the judge said to the, the clerk? You know what? You're right. You're exactly right. I mean, how frustrating would that be that day if you were the plaintiff or if you were the defendant? I mean, You've got a problem, and you're depending on this judge to speak truthfully, to, to find some honesty here, but the judge wasn't interested in truth. He was more interested in pleasing people than finding the truth. His yes certainly didn't mean yes. His no didn't mean no. He just wanted to say something and, and kind of move on. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Well, friends, that story really speaks to the heart of this one verse from James, James chapter 5, verse 12, the text that we have today. And we find that in this one verse, James, who again is the half-brother of Jesus, right? James is teaching us something that his brother Jesus had once taught in the book 
of Matthew. We'll put the text on the screen. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 forward. This is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what Jesus says and find how this is very similar to what James says today. This is what Jesus says. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Friends, what we find today in James's message to us, which again reiterates what his brother Jesus had once said, is that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of who sits on the throne of our hearts. Again, once again, we're hitting lordship. The book of James is all about lordship. Who's the Lord of your life? And what we say, yes or no, making promises, should be a reflection of the king who sits on the throne of our hearts. And very simply, the truth that James and both Jesus and James are making today to believers is very simple. And it's this, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Say what you mean, but mean what you say. Four points in this sermon today. If you have your bulletins, turn around, look at the back of it. You don't turn around, turn the bulletin around. I need to say what I mean and mean what I say. All right? <laughs> but if you look at the back of your bulletin, there's four points in this sermon today. The first one, we're going to talk about the unbiblical tradition that was affecting the people of God during this period of time. Secondly, we're going to talk about our yes being yes, our no being no. Thirdly, we're going to find out that truth is actually a reflection of God and lying is a reflection of Satan. And then finally, we're going to look at the consequences of lying and what that will do in the church, what that will do in our lives. So first of all, let's look at the unbiblical tradition that's the background of this text. Let's read the verse one more time. James says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by anything or, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Friends, what's the background that would, that would cause James to write such a thing? Well, during this time period, many of the Jews had developed a tradition of having two types of agreements, what's called a binding agreement and a non-binding agreement. So in their minds, there's these two types of agreements, binding and non-binding, and it looks like this came from their understanding of the third commandment. You remember the third commandment? Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So 
if you swear by the name of God, that's going to be, in their minds, something binding. Because they did not want to take God's name in vain. So if they swore by something in the name of God, that means if they broke that promise, there would be great consequences for them because they would have taken the Lord's name in vain. But on the other side, there would be a non-binding promise. That is, not swearing by the name of God, but swearing by something else. Maybe it's heaven or earth or Jerusalem. So, for instance, if you make a binding promise in the name of God, if, you, if a Jew said, in the name of God, I will borrow this tool from you, and I promise you I will return the tool in the name of God, there's a very good chance you're going to get your tool back. Okay, because they don't want to take the name of the Lord in vain. Swore by the name of God, you'll get your tool back. But if they made a promise by heaven or by Jerusalem or by the hairs on your head, by the way, could you imagine if I made you a promise by the hairs on my head? You would know automatically that is not a binding promise, right? But again, that's mentioned in the text, so I say that. If you make, if you make a promise by something other than God's name, heaven, Jerusalem, the hairs on your head, that's a non-binding promise. So if the, if the promise is, you can borrow my tool, by, I swear by Jerusalem that that um, you can borrow my tool and you, and you get it back, that kind of thing. You might not get your tool back because it didn't take the name of God into account. It was something else. It was a non-binding promise. This is, this is what we would call today uh, making a promise uh, with your fingers crossed would, would be the way we would say it today. Here's the point. James and his brother Jesus teach us that this type of promise-making, this type of oath-taking, this type of swearing, if you will, is completely unbiblical. Why? First of all, it's simply untruthful. To say you're going to do something and to swear by something that in your mind is not as binding as the name of God, but it's something like Jerusalem, the hair on your head, uh, heaven, that type of thing, to... To say that when in the back of your mind you have your fingers crossed, it's a masquerade, it's a disguise, it's a charade, it's a show. Because the Bible is going to teach us that if we make a promise to anything, to give an, if we give an, a, an appearance of commitment of truth, that's really what we need to mean. But this person really has no intention of doing what he or she says because in their minds, there's this binding, non-binding, outward show. And behind this is a lack of integrity, and it's what we call the double-minded man. Do you remember him? We have him on the screen. Here he comes again. James, over and over and over in this book, talks about this guy, this double-minded man. In, in James chapter 1, it says it's a man who thinks about God one second but doesn't think about him the next second. He lives kind of a, these two lives. And James is now bringing this into truth-telling. You know, if you say one thing but really in the back of your mind have your fingers crossed and you really mean another, that's not truthful. That's not integrity. That's not honesty. And the Bible says it's a lie. It's a sin before God. 
But the second reason James would say this is untruthful, and Jesus as well, is that your whole line of thinking, these, these people who made up this binding, non-binding, that, that whole line of thinking is, is not biblical. Let's put the text back up on the screen. This is Matthew, Matthew 5. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus, in this text, and as I say this, look at the text, review it. Jesus is saying, okay, so you, you have this category over here of non-binding where you bring in heaven, earth, Jerusalem, hair on your head. Jesus says, don't you understand if you swear by heaven that that's the throne of God? Don't you understand if you swear by earth that's God's footstool? Don't you understand if you swear by Jerusalem that's God's city? You see, you're trying to take God out of the equation. Over here in the binding world, yeah, you bring in the name of God, but over here you try to take God out by saying Jerusalem, heaven, hairs on your head. But don't you understand that every single thing that you bring over here also has God involved with it? Jerusalem is his city, heaven his throne, the earth his footstool. What's the point? that making a promise by anything in God's creation actually brings God into the picture. You can't have this world of binding, non-binding. Sinclair Ferguson says it this way, No promise can ever be made, no word ever spoken, without it being done in the presence of God. Friends, even promises we make to ourselves and our own hearts God knows about. So what's the point? Stop thinking that you can have two sets of agreements, binding and non-binding. So what does that lead to next? How are we supposed to live? If there's no such thing as binding, non-binding, that everything is out in the open before God, how are we supposed to live? Well, that's point two. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is a simple sermon. Folks, the book of James is not hard to understand. The whole point of this sermon, tell the truth. Tell the truth. But it's we mess this up with our sin-filled lives. So here's an example. As a pastor, I have the privilege oftentimes to, to do weddings, to officiate weddings. And it's always been my custom before I do a wedding to sit down with the bride and groom-to-be and to go through a time of premarital counseling. And we talk about lots of things. We want to make sure their view of the Bible is the same. Their view of salvation is the same. That they see the biblical roles of husband and wife. That they know what the biblical definition of love is. Compared to that of the world. But there's one thing I always focus on with this young couple. It's their wedding vows. A lot of times, you know, a husband and wife get up, get up in front of the church and they don't even know what they're going to say in their vows. So the preacher says, repeat this. They, they, they haven't even thought about it. So I print it out, lay it right in front of them, black and white, turn around so they can see it. Read these vows because this is a promise that you're going to make to your spouse and to God in the presence, not only of all the witnesses, but God himself. 
Think about what you're getting ready to say, the promises you're getting ready to make. And if you can't make these promises, don't get married. Read them, understand them. Because God, not only does he hear our words, he sees our hearts. And if you think it's anything less, rethink it right now. Say what you mean, but mean what you say. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. It's quite simple because anything else we're going to learn in just a moment is from the evil one. But friends, not only should that type of truth-telling happen at a wedding, but it should happen in everyday life. It should happen with our business dealings, the way we talk to our children, the way we communicate with each other in the church. We should let our yes be yes and our no be no. But oftentimes, friends, we have to prop up our statements. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever said this? Let me be honest with you. Look, every single one of us has probably said that in our lives. But think about that statement. Why do we need to say that? What's the presupposition? You're not being honest. Can I be truthful with you for just a moment? <laughs> Actually, you can be truthful with me your whole life, right? But do you see the props that we use? I remember, I don't want to embarrass Macy, but I'll, I'll say this story. She didn't even know when to say this. I remember when Macy was a little girl, she ran up to me and she, she asked me to promise something and I promised it and she put her pinky out and said, pinky promise? Because that supposedly makes it more binding, right? I mean, if you pinky promise, I mean, that's a big deal. It's like swearing by heaven, by Jerusalem. Let's pinky promise. Friends, we should let her yes be yes or no be no. Anything else other than upfront honesty is from the evil one so think about that a minute do you have to prop up statements with let me be honest with you or can i can i just tell you truthfully i hope that we all can live our lives in such a way that we don't need statements like that let your yes be yes let your no be no so this leads us to our third point we've mentioned it briefly Speaking truthfully or lying actually reflects either God or Satan. Think about this with me. Before we get to the text, I want to tell you another story. There was a pastor one time, he went up to his congregation on a Sunday and said, next week I'm going to preach on the topic of lying. So in preparation for the sermon, I want everyone to go home and read Mark chapter 17. So the week passed. Seven days later, the preacher gets up. He goes, before I preach this sermon on Mark 17, I want to ask, who in the congregation read this chapter in preparation for the sermon? Several hands went up. And the pastor said, the only problem is there's only 16 chapters in Mark. Everyone take out your Bibles. We're going to talk about the topic of lying today. Let's put some verses on the screen. John chapter 14, verse 6. You remember back in the summer we looked at the I am's of Christ. I am the way. We looked at that a good bit, but also the truth. Do you know that Jesus himself 
claims to be truth. In John chapter 17, verse 17, the next verse on our screen, Jesus is praying the high priestly prayer. He says, Lord, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. You'll oftentimes hear me call the Bible truth in a world that's filled with lies. God is a God of truth. Did you know over and over and over in the book of John, as James talks about the Holy Spirit, he calls him the spirit of truth. God loves truth. And when we speak truthfully to our neighbor, we are reflecting a holy God who tells us to be holy because why? Because he's holy. Young people, let me, let me tell you something. Your, your mama and daddy might say, speak truthfully to me. Don't lie to me. But the ultimate reason that you and I are to speak truthfully to each other Yes, obeying your parents is one thing, but the ultimate reason to speak truthfully with each other is because God is holy. God is truth. And he tells you to be holy because he's holy. Because he's holy. He's truthful. That's why we need to speak truthfully to our neighbors. But what's the other side, friends? The other side is lying. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking in John 8. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. From the very beginning, Satan was a liar. And when we lie, we reflect the father of lies, Satan himself. So the question comes to all of us, who do we reflect? The promises we make, the speech that we give one to the other. Do we reflect God? Do we reflect Satan? Here's what John again says in his first epistle. This is 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in, walk in darkness, here it is, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Friends, let us be practicers of the truth by speaking truthfully to each other. And that leads us to our fourth and final point this morning. What's the consequences of lying? A verse we'll put on the screen. This is Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church, telling them how to live godly lives. And he says, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Listen to that last phrase. We are members of one another. We speak truthfully. Why? We're members of one another. Folks, the church is the body of Christ. Think about your own body. What if your body lied to itself? What if your eyes told you that the light was green instead of red? You'd have a car wreck. John MacArthur challenged me to think this way. What if your hand communicated to you that the stove was room temperature instead of being 400 degrees? 
You'd burn your hand. What if someone said to you, go left, when he actually meant go right? Or what if your ears communicated go left when they actually heard go right? I mean, what if your ears lied to you? You'd be sent in the wrong direction in much the same way, friends. The church can't function if members are dishonest within the body. We need to tell the truth, as Paul says. We're members of one body. So let's bring this home. Let's apply it to our daily lives. This past week, I had the good pleasure of sitting down with uh, Dr. Mike Milton. Just got to sit with him for two hours just to talk ministry, talked about this, this sermon coming up and, and other things. As, as we were talking about this upcoming sermon I'm preaching today, he put things in great perspective for me. I'm going to try to summarize what he said. I won't do it justice, I'm sure, but I'll, I'll do my best. He said, Adam, we as believers need to live our life in such a way where we make God's truths priority. We make what God wants our priority. And when we make truth a priority in our life, it brings a harmony into our lives that precludes and prevents problems. So practically speaking, here's some of those problems that truth precludes. How about in your job? If you lie to your boss, if you lie on your reporting, you might get fired from your job. But truth would have precluded you from getting fired. How about your taxes? April 15th is coming. If you lie on your taxes, you could go to jail. But if you had been truthful, truth would have precluded you from being punished in a criminal way. How about we've already talked about this in our marriages? If, we're, if we lie to our husbands, lie to our wives, We're not honest with our words that could lead to a, a terrible divorce where truth would have precluded that type of lifestyle. Students at school, listen to this. If you cheat on a test, that is a form of lying. It's taking something, it's stealing too, it's taking something that, that is not yours and it's pretending that it really is your work. So about, I'll tell you the story real quick. About 15 years ago, I taught a Bible class up in Lake Norman. And then there was one particular day I gave a test. I couldn't be there that day. There was a substitute teacher who, who stepped in for me. So I come back the next day, all to find that one of my students had cheated on this test, a Bible test. And she had been suspended by the school. She uh, was disciplined by her parents. And she came to my office a week later, and she came in tears. And to her credit, she actually learned from her mistake, Mr. Mumpower, I'm so sorry for doing this. I cheated. I lied. She had tears rolling down her face. I've accepted my punishment. I will never do this again. And I said, okay, learn the lesson right now while you're young. Take this suspension. Take this discipline from your parents so that one day you don't get older and you lie on your taxes and you go to jail for a long time. But truth could have precluded that entire situation had you just been honest. Truth was so important with Ananias and Sapphira that it would have precluded their deaths in the Bible. What's the point, friends? 
Order your life in such a way where you prioritize truth. That will cause you to preclude problems that come from lying. That way, you will be on stable ground in order to serve Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Spurgeon said it this way, Saints not only desire to love and speak truth with their lips, but they seek to be true within. They will not even lie within the closet of their hearts. Kistemacher said it this way, Houses and buildings that are built on firm foundations, they don't need supporting props. Likewise, a person whose foundation is on Jesus Christ, with whom he continually communicates, has no need to strengthen his words. He speaks the truth because he himself is grounded in Jesus Christ, who said, I am the truth. Truth depends not on the use of expressions that approach profanity, but on the simple yes that remains yes and the no that remains no. What can we take away from this? First of all, never get caught up in an unbiblical tradition. One that says there's some things in life, how did we say it earlier? There's some things in life that are binding, other things that are non-binding. Don't get caught up in that unbiblical charade. Don't get caught up in crossing your fingers, but simply let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. That's what James says. That's what Jesus says. Because truth-telling reflects God, lying reflects Satan himself. And friends, let us live our life in such a way that we value what God values, which is truth. And when we do, we will preclude the problems that come from lying, problems that will take us down a path that we never wanted to be on. It will take you further than you ever wanted to go. That way we can all live on stable ground to live For Jesus Christ. Pray with me, please.